Section 23 of Holidays at Roselands. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rose A. Holidays at Roselands by Martha Finley. Chapter 15, Part 2. Mr. Dinsmore and Elsie were left standing upon the piazza, looking about them, while Edward was engaged for a moment in giving some directions to the coachman, and Rose was speaking to a servant who had come out on their approach. "'Mama is lying down with a bad headache, Mr. Dinsmore, and Papa has not yet returned from the city,' said Rose, turning to her guests. "'But I hope you will excuse them, and Edward will show you to your room and try to make you feel at home.' Mr. Dinsmore politely expressed his regret at Mrs. Allison's illness, and his hope that their arrival would not be allowed to disturb her. Miss Allison then left him to her brother's care, and taking Elsie's hand, led her to her own room. It was a large, airy apartment, very prettily furnished, with another a little smaller opening into it. "'This is my room, Elsie,' said Miss Rose, "'and that is Sophie's. You will sleep with her, and so I can take care of you both, for though Chloe can attend you morning and evening as usual,' she will have to sleep in one of the servants' rooms in the attic. She had been taking off Elsie's bonnet, and smoothing her hair as she spoke, and now removing her own, she sat down on a low seat, and taking the little girl on her lap, folded her in her arms, and kissed her over and over again, saying softly, My darling, darling child, I cannot tell you how glad and thankful I am to have you in my arms once more. I love you very dearly, little Elsie. Elsie was almost too glad to speak, but presently she whispered, "'Not better than I love you, dear Miss Rose. I love you next to Papa.' "'And you are happy now?' "'Very, very happy. Do you like my Papa, Miss Rose?' "'Very much, dear, so far,' Rose replied with simple truthfulness. "'He seems to be a very polished gentleman, and I think is extremely handsome. But what is best of all, I can see he is a very fond father,' she added." bestowing another kiss upon the little rosy cheek. "'I am so glad!' exclaimed the little girl, her eyes sparkling with pleasure. Then she added, in a deprecating tone, "'But he doesn't spoil me, Miss Rose. Indeed he does not. I always know I must obey, and promptly and cheerfully, too.' "'No, dearest, I did not think you had been spoiled. Indeed, I doubt if it would be possible to spoil you,' Rose answered in a tone of fondness. "'Ah, you don't know me, Miss Rose,' said Elsie, shaking her head. "'If Papa were not very firm and decided with me, I know I should be very willful sometimes, and he knows it too. But he is too really kind to indulge me in naughtiness. My dear, dear Papa! Miss Rose, I love him so much!' "'I am so glad for you, my poor little one,' murmured Rose, drawing the little girl closer to her. "'It seemed so sad and lonely for you.' with neither father nor mother to love you. And you were very ill last summer, darling, and very unhappy before that. Your Aunt Adelaide wrote me all about it, and my heart ached for my poor darling. Oh, how I longed to comfort her! Yes, Miss Rose, that was a dreadful time. But Papa only did what he thought was right, and you cannot think how kind he was when I was getting better. Elsie's eyes were full of tears. I know it, darling, and I pitied him, too, and often prayed for you both, said Rose. 
"'But tell me, dearest, was Jesus near to you in your troubles?' "'Yes, Miss Rose, very near and very precious, "'else how could I have borne it at all? "'For, oh, Miss Rose, I thought sometimes my heart would break.' "'It was a bitter trial, dearest, I know, "'and certain I am that you must have had much more than your own strength "'to enable you to be so firm,' said Rose tenderly. "'Ah, there is Sophie,' she added quickly, "'as a mass of flaxen curls, "'accompanied by a pair of dancing blue eyes, "'appeared for an instant at the door, "'and then as suddenly vanished. "'Sophie, Sophie, come here,' she called, "'and again the door opened, "'and the owner of the blue eyes and flaxen ringlets, "'a little girl about Elsie's age, "'came in and moved slowly towards them, "'looking at the stranger in her sister's lap "'with a mingled expression of fun, curiosity, and bashfulness.' "'Come, Sophie, this is Elsie Dinsmore, whom you have so often wished to see,' said Rose. "'Elsie, this is my little sister Sophie. I want you to be friends, and learn to love one another dearly. "'There, Sophie, take her into your room, and show her all your toys and books, while I am changing my dress. That will be the way for you to get acquainted.' Sophie did as she was desired, and, as Rose had foreseen, the first feeling of bashfulness soon wore off and in a few moments they were talking and laughing together, as though they had been acquainted as many months. Sophie had brought out a number of dolls, and they were discussing their several claims to beauty in a very animated way, when Rose called them to come with her. "'I am going to carry you off to the nursery, Elsie, to see the little ones,' she said, taking her young visitor's hand. "'Should you like to see them?' "'Oh, so much!' Elsie exclaimed eagerly. "'If Sophie may go, too.' "'Oh, yes, Sophie will come along, of course,' Miss Rose said, leading the way as she spoke. Elsie found the nursery, a beautiful large room, fitted up with every comfort and convenience, and abounding in a variety of toys for the amusement of the children, of whom there were three, the baby crowing in its nurse's arms, little May, a merry romping child of four with flaxen curls and blue eyes like Sophie's, and Freddy, a boy of seven. Harold, who was thirteen, sat by one of the windows busily engaged covering a ball for Fred, who with May stood intently watching the movements of his needle. Elsie was introduced to them all, one after another. Harold gave her a cordial shake of the hand, and a pleasant, welcome to Elmgrove, and the little ones put up their faces to be kissed. Elsie thought Harold a kind, pleasant-looking boy, not at all like Arthur, Fred, and May, dear little things, and the baby perfectly charming, as she afterwards confided to her father. "'May I take the baby, Miss Rose?' she asked coaxingly. Miss Rose said yes, and the nurse put it in her arms for a moment. "'Dear pretty little thing!' she exclaimed, kissing it softly. "'How old is it, Miss Rose? And what is its name? She is nearly a year old, and we call her Daisy.' "'I'm sure your arms must be getting tired, miss, for she's quite heavy,' remarked the nurse presently, taking the child again. Miss Rose now said it was time to go down, and left the room, followed by Elsie, Harold, and Sophie, the last named putting her arm around Elsie's waist, saying what a delightful time they would have together, and that she hoped she would stay all summer. They had not quite reached the end of the hall when Elsie saw her father come out of the door of another room and hastily releasing herself from Sophie's arm, she ran to him, and catching hold of his hand, 
looked up eagerly into his face, saying, "'Oh, Papa, do come into the nursery and see the dear little children and the baby. It is so pretty.' He looked inquiringly at Miss Allison. "'If you care to see it, Mr. Dinsmore,' she said, smiling, "'there is no objection. We are very proud of our baby.' "'Then I should like to go,' he replied, "'both to gratify Elsie and because I am fond of children.' Rose led the way, and they all went back to the nursery, where Mr. Dinsmore kissed the little folks all around, patted their heads, and talked kindly to them, then took the babe in his arms, praising its beauty, and tossing it up till he made it laugh and crow right merrily. "'I often wish I had seen my baby,' he remarked to Rose, as he returned it to the nurse, then laying his hand on Elsie's head. "'Do you know Miss Allison?' he asked." that I never saw my little girl until she was nearly eight years old? Yes, she replied. I knew her before you did, and sympathized strongly in her longing for a father's love. Ah, we both lost a good deal in those years, and if I could live them over again it should be very different, he said, with a loving glance at his daughter's face. Nothing should keep me from my child, though no doubt it has all been for the best, he added, with a slight sigh as he thought of the worldly wisdom he would have taught her. They all now went down to the parlor, where Mr. Dinsmore and Elsie were introduced to Richard Allison, a wild boy full of fun and frolic, between Rose and Harold in age. Edward was the eldest of the family, and quite sober and sedate. Richard took a great fancy to Elsie from the first moment, and very soon had coaxed her out to the lawn where he presently engaged her in a merry game of romps, with Sophie, Harold, and himself, which was finally brought to a conclusion by the arrival of the elder Mr. Allison, almost immediately followed by the call to supper. Mr. Allison had a pleasant face, and was a younger-looking man than might have been expected in the father of such a family. He welcomed his guests with the greatest cordiality, expressing the hope that they intended paying a long visit to Elmgrove which he said they owed him, in return for Rose's lengthened sojourn at Roselands. Mrs. Allison also made her appearance at the tea-table, saying that she had nearly recovered from her headache, although she still looked pale and languid. She had a kind, motherly look, and a gentle, winning address that quite took Elsie's fancy, and was evidently pleased at their arrival, and anxious to entertain them in the most hospitable manner. Mr. Dinsmore and his little girl were the only guests, and all the children, excepting the baby, were allowed to come to the table. They seemed to be well-bred children, behaved in a quiet, orderly way, and asked politely for what they wanted, but were rather too much indulged, Mr. Dinsmore thought, as he observed that they all ate and drank whatever they fancied, without any remonstrance from their parents. Elsie was seated between her father and Miss Rose. "'Will your little girl take tea or coffee, Mr. Dinsmore?' asked Mrs. Allison. "'Neither, thank you, madam. She will take a glass of milk if you have it. If not, cold water will do very well.' "'Why, Elsie, I thought I remembered that you were very fond of coffee,' Rose remarked, as she filled a tumbler with milk and set it down beside the little girl's plate. "'Elsie is a good child, and eats and drinks just whatever her father thinks best for her, Miss Allison,' said Mr. Dinsmore." preventing Elsie's reply. No, no, not any of those, if you please, for Rose was putting hot buttered waffles upon Elsie's plate. I don't allow her to eat hot cakes, especially at night. Excuse me, Mr. Dinsmore, 
"'But are you not eating them yourself?' asked Rose, with an arch smile. "'Yes, Miss Rose, and so may she when she is my age,' he answered in a pleasant tone, accompanied by an affectionate glance and smile, bestowed upon his little daughter. "'I think you are quite right, Mr. Dinsmore,' remarked Mrs. Allison. "'I know we pamper our children's appetites entirely too much, as I have often said to their father, but he does not agree with me, and I have not sufficient firmness to carry out the reform by myself.' "'No, I like to see them enjoy themselves, and whatever I have, I want my children to have, too,' said Mr. Allison bluntly. "'It would seem the kindest treatment at first sight, but I don't think it is in the end,' replied Mr. Dinsmore. "'To buy present enjoyment at the expense of an enfeebled constitution is paying much too dear for it, I think.' "'Ah, young people are full of notions,' said the elder gentleman, shaking his head wisely and are very apt to be much more strict with the first child than with any of the rest. You are bringing this one up by rule, I see. But mark my words, if you live to be the father of as many as I have, you will grow less and less strict with each one, until you will be ready to spoil the youngest completely. I hope not, sir. I am very sure I could not possibly love another better than I do this, Mr. Dinsmore said with a smile and colouring slightly, too, then adroitly changed the subject by a remark addressed to Edward. Immediately after tea the whole family adjourned to the sitting-room. The servants were called in, and Mr. Allison read a portion of scripture and prayed, afterwards remarking to Mr. Dinsmore that it was his custom to attend to this duty early in the evening, that the younger children might have the benefit of it, without being kept up too late. Mr. Dinsmore expressed his approval adding that it was his plan also. "'Papa,' whispered Elsie, who was close to him, "'I am to sleep with Sophie.' "'Ah, that will be very pleasant for you,' he said, "'but you must be a good girl, and not give any unnecessary trouble.' "'I will try, Papa. There, Sophie is calling me. May I go to her?' "'Certainly,' and he released her hand, which he had been holding in his. "'I want to show you my garden,' said Sophie, whom Elsie found in the hall." and she led the way out through a back door which opened into a garden now gay with spring flowers and early roses. Sophie pointed out the corner which was her especial property, and exhibited her plants and flowers with a great deal of honest pride. "'I planted every one of them myself,' she said. "'Harold dug up the ground for me, and I did all the rest. I work an hour every morning pulling up the weeds and watering the flowers.' "'Oh, won't you let me help you while I am here?' asked Elsie eagerly. "'Why, yes, if you like, and your papa won't mind. I think it would be real fun. But he's very strict, isn't he, Elsie? I feel quite afraid of him.' "'Yes, he is strict, but he is very kind, too.' "'Let's go in now,' said Sophie. "'I've got a beautiful picture-book that I want to show you. And tomorrow's Sunday, you know. So if you don't see it tonight, you'll have to wait till Monday.' "'because it isn't a Sunday book.' "'What time is it?' asked Elsie. "'I always have to go to bed at half-past eight. "'I don't know,' said Sophie, "'but we'll look at the little clock in the dining-room. "'And she ran in, closely followed by her little guest. "'Just eight. "'We've only got half an hour, so come along. "'But won't your papa let you stay up longer?' "'No,' Elsie answered in a very decided tone. "'And they hurried to the parlor.' where they seated themselves in a corner, and were soon eagerly discussing the pictures in Sophie's book. 
They had just finished, and Sophie was beginning a very animated description of a child's party she had attended a short time before, when Elsie, who had been anxiously watching her father for the last five minutes, saw him take out his watch and look at her. "'There, Sophie,' she said, rising. "'I know Papa means it is time for me to go to bed. Oh, just wait one minute!' But Elsie was already halfway across the room. "'It is your bedtime, daughter,' said Mr. Dinsmore, smiling affectionately on her. "'Yes, Papa, good night.' And she held up her face for the accustomed kiss. "'Good night, daughter,' he replied, bestowing the caress. Then laying his hand gently on her head, he said softly, "'God bless and keep, my little one.' Rose, who was seated on the sofa beside him, drew Elsie to her, saying, "'I must have a kiss, too, darling.' "'Now go, daughter,' said Mr. Dinsmore, as Rose released her from her embrace. "'Go to bed as soon as you can, and don't lie awake talking. "'Mayn't I talk at all after I go to bed, Papa?' "'No, not at all.' Seeing that Elsie was really going, Sophie had put away her book, and was now ready to accompany her. She was quite a talker, and rattled on very fast until she saw Elsie take out her Bible, but then became perfectly quiet until Elsie was through with her devotions, and Chloe had come to prepare her for bed. Then she began chattering again in her lively way, Elsie answering very pleasantly until she was just ready to step into bed, when she said gently, "'Sophie, Papa said, before I came up, "'that I must not talk at all after I got into bed. "'So please don't be vexed if I don't answer you, "'because you know I must obey my father.' "'Pshaw! How provoking! "'I thought we were going to have such a good time, "'and I've got ever so much to say to you. "'I'm just as sorry as you are, Sophie, "'but I can't disobey Papa.' "'He'd never know it,' suggested Sophie, "'in a voice scarcely above a whisper.' Elsie started with astonishment to hear Miss Rose's sister speaking thus. "'Oh, Sophie, you can't mean to advise me to deceive and disobey my father,' she said. "'God would know it, and Papa would soon know it, too, for I could never look him in the face again until I had confessed it.' Sophie blushed deeply. "'I didn't think about its being deceitful. But would your Papa punish you for such a little thing? Papa says disobedience is never a little thing.' and he always punishes me when I disobey him. But I wouldn't care so much for that, as for knowing that I had grieved him so, because I love my papa very dearly. But I must not talk any more. So good night. And she climbed into bed, laid her head on the pillow, and in a very few moments was fast asleep. End of chapter 15, part 2. Recording by Rose A.